0: Hello, hello. Welcome to Idiopod podcast. We are so happy to be here this morning to have some deep convo. Um, What we're doing here, we're sharing stories and conversations about those transformative moments in our life. We're all about some storytelling and just real genuine intimate connection. So guys, if you want to have Like share some comments, have some questions, just go find us on idiopod.com. You can ask any questions. We want you to join the conversation. Yes, TJ and I are here having it, but we want to to pull out the chair of the table to everyone. Anybody and and everybody is welcome. So on today, hmm, we're talking about those... I'm going to say those transformative, life-changing moments um, that you just know that God is God. And we're going to talk about some near-death experiences, near-death experiences. I know we have, many of us actually, you know, in the work that I do, I always hear about those moments where like, oh my gosh, I could have died. I'm alive. Um, And it just, it just really does something. Does a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. So so nothing
1: too nothing too heavy for for your morning, but <laughs> that's the way to start the morning. Good cup of coffee and a near death experience conversation. Hello. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, do you want to jump in? You want me to jump in? Do we want to start well, I near he- death first, or do we want to just do transformative, really cool turning I, point moment? I
0: believe the near death is transformative. So let's start with the near death. I want to hear about that. Okay.
1: Well, I was, I think I just turned 18 years old. Uh, I was making my first demo in a garage in Easley, South Carolina, or outside of Easley, South Carolina, uh, with uh, a guy that was uh, making mostly uh, tracks for girls and beauty pageants uh, and, and working on, at a music store on the side. But he had hooked up. Uh, with a studio musician who used to uh, be a singer and songwriter for Sony Records and still knew some executives there. Mm-hmm. And so I was just looking for someone who had a recording space to record a CD that I could sell to some friends my senior year of high school uh, before I graduated. So I was kind of in a time crunch. This was like January, February 2002. Okay. and we just happened to pop into this music store and easily where this guy was just working a couple afternoons a week and he said oh i actually have a studio let me hear your stuff and then we hooked up that way he sent it to his guy that you know used to know some folks at sony and you know within a few weeks i was talking uh through them and and directly uh to Uh, executive vice presidents at Sony Records. And they were wanting to hear the demo before we even made the demo. And I still had a couple songs to write before I had my 10 song CD that I wanted to finish. So that was a heck of a a way to cap off your senior year. And then under the time crunch of trying to get this thing recorded and mixed, For the first time, I'd never been in a recording studio or done any of that. I'd been singing and writing songs for about three years. Um, So this felt like everything. Like I had already leaned into my identity as a singer-songwriter. I'm going to move to Nashville. I'm going to do all the things. But first, it starts with a demo. i got to make a good quality demo, good enough for people to hear. And if I sell a few CDs along the way and... You know, make up some of the costs for making it great. Uh, so we ended up rushing a really, a really crappy uh, <laughs> version of that to be able to sell by May to my friends, which I wish we hadn't have done because the, the final, mm-hmm. mix, final mix wasn't coming until August. And uh, sometime between July and August, uh, a few of my cousins, a couple of them were more like aunts and uncles, but... Technically, were cousins, and their kids okay. were, were my cousins. They come and uh, live with us for a couple months while they were moving back to South Carolina from somewhere. I think California. And so, their two young kids, and them, and me, and my mom and dad, and my grandmother were uh, trying to all occupy without going crazy. Uh, right a 1600 square foot house uh, really is more like a thousand square foot house because 600 of that was just a mother-in-law apartment they built on for my grandmother and nobody really went in there unless they were hanging out with her. so okay we were all crammed into this little house for the month that I was trying to do the final touches on the CD and uh, I was I was fighting a cold. Which I'm currently also fighting a cold, so I'm taking all the stuff. Okay. Um, and I was having to listen back to what had been the final mix to approve the final mix. And I made the mistake of taking uh, some Benadryl, I guess, early that morning. And I was okay. having to drive almost an hour to the studio, and I was still listening in my car to this final mix to approve it. Because once we locked it in and send it to the the printers, that was it. So it was my final, final chance to to say yay or nay. So that's what I was doing. Uh, I cannot take Benadryl and be functional for 24 hours. I've since learned this, this was my final lesson in doing that. Uh, And so I'm driving on the highway. Uh, So
0: you were taking Benadryl for a cold? Yes. Okay. Which
1: I probably shouldn't have done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but i was 18 and stupid and okay had access to benadryl which is not always the the best combination yeah uh, yeah anywho uh so i fall asleep at the wheel while listening to this cd uh on a highway and it and there's not a whole lot of major highways other than i-85 and this wasn't i-85 this was close to i-85 though this was like uh Two lanes going one way, and then a big, okay. big kind of V shaped ditch in between, median, and then two lanes come another way. Okay. Which is a pretty big highway for where I'm from. <laughs> and uh, so I fall asleep, come to, and I'm like literally a few yards away from running right into one of those like big metal signs on the side of the road. Uh, I I had just, I had just hit the, the, they had the little bumps. They didn't have them everywhere, but they had them where, where I was leaning past the line. The little bumps startled me awake. And then I make a quick overcorrection and and just yank just a natural reflex to not hit the sign. Thankfully, no car was directly beside me. And I do a total 360 in the middle of the road, end up in the median doing another 360. And my car, it was like time stopped that moment. My car, I could feel it starting to want to flip. And under the momentum, I was doing 70 miles an hour under that momentum, it was going right. to take me into the next oncoming traffic. And I could see the 18 wheeler that was coming. It was, like, it, was, it was like, I could, it's like time stopped. And that moment was like, 10 minutes.
0: In yes. Slow,
1: slow motion. I could see the 18 wheeler that if, if my car, I felt the wheels on the right side come up about a foot or two. And it was just like that moment just hung. And it was like, I saw my life almost flash before my eyes. Like, this is the moment. This is what you're yes. doing. You're 18. You're about to die. Yeah. And, uh, I just took a de- I had a sudden sense of calmness unlike has ever come over me in that moment. And it was just peace. And it was like, I was just hanging there with the wheels. Yeah. I know it couldn't have been, but like a second, but it felt right. like a long time. And then I suddenly, it was all, it was like in that second, I was just like, okay, if this is how I'm going out, I'm, yeah, I'm all right with it. And then in that, that second, I felt the wheels go back down. I turned the car off. Thankfully, I was I was startled. I was like in So shock. was the car
0: still moving? So once the once the wheels went back down,
1: it it turned was the like car a little still it turned like a little donut and ate a bunch of dirt in in the middle of the the median. Thankfully, okay. they they had a little bit of a V shape in that median. If it had been straight, I totally would have went into the oncoming 18-wheeler, 100%. It's just where I happened to turn into it, it had a little bit more of a ditch. And I stopped in the middle of that ditch and just stopped shy of flipping at 70 miles an hour. And I turned my car off. I just sat there. I, I started saying a little prayer, like, thank you, Jesus. Yes. I was just trying to catch my thoughts and everything. And when suddenly somebody... Who, who was way back behind me, saw what happened. They come, they pull into the median, and, and they're like knocking on my window make sure I'm okay. And then I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm just going to sit here a minute.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And I sat there probably five or ten minutes just just to, to get sane again. <laughs> I know. And when I turned on my car... It was the one the one gospel song I recorded for this CD and I felt like I needed one gospel song. If I'm gonna make a CD did that for my okay. gran- my grandmother just as much as anybody. So like if, this might be the only CD I ever make, I need at least one gospel song on
0: there. Yes.
1: and it was called if Jesus hadn't been there.
0: no way. And, and
1: the hook when I when I, I swear to God when, when I when I turned on the car again, the hook of the song is i wouldn't be there if jesus hadn't been there and i hear myself i hear myself singing this to me and i had no idea it was even at that point because i was just in and out of grogginess trying to listen to the cd to approve it
0: stop it
1: i i got i got chills i said okay god message received (laughs)
0: Apparently, oh my God. See, Apparently, that's you still something, want me
1: around for something. So,
0: you cannot make that up. Like, that is... Uh, oh, my gosh. Oh, that, my gosh. So, no, tell me this. That definitely
1: was a turning point moment for me. I was like, you got my attention, God.
0: <laughs> Whoa. What was your... So, your takeaway was...
1: Well, obviously... Uh, God still had plans for me, but he wanted my attention and wanted to know, hey, I got you. Just just make make sure you, you realize who's got you and that okay. I've got plans for you. Uh, I Did felt, you know
0: that before this moment?
1: You know, I like to think that. I don't know that I had like a, in my gut, 100%. I was like trying to make this music thing a thing and I felt like, you know, using my music to speak that message to me. um, When I almost didn't even cut that song.
0: Right. Like, Like
1: the, the people, the people who were trying to pitch to the record label said, don't make a 10 song CD. That's what you do. When you get famous, you just do your best five or six. This was track eight. Everything from like track seven on was basically filler, right? Gotcha. It, was, it was for me. Uh, but yeah, I was I was like I I knew that I had a, a God moment and I felt his presence in that moment. It felt like, No, this this is speaking to you. This is to know yeah. that, that I have plans for you. Yeah. Uh, And there is a path that I'm setting for you, and I just want you to be aware of it. Wow. And ever since then, I have been very much aware of it. Um, And for the longest time, I thought it was just music. And my whole family moved up to Nashville um, Mm -hmm. and had had a lot of struggles. I mean, the recession hit... The job I moved here for went away. The, the job my dad moved for went away. We were just trying to make ends meet for a while. And, yeah. Um, the kind of music I, I was trying to brand the kind of music I made, which was supposed to be like a combination of like alternative rock and country and a mixture. And I called that stone country because of my name being stone. That's I was, cute. I was trying to brand that as my thing. It never caught on quite as much as I wanted to, but uh, I had a lot of of emails and uh, websites and all the things that kind of had that. And my dad went into, shortly after uh, we'd all moved to Nashville, my dad went into some kind of like secondhand shop, and he felt just compelled, like on his way to work to go to this shop. And somebody he like went straight to this rack that had this bill cap. I still have it. It's in my house. Okay. Somewhere. And it was a custom made cap somebody had made. And it just said Stone Country on the front of it. Stop it. And on the back of it, it said. Beyond music.
0: So let me ask you this question. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. So one thing that stood out was that you had settled into this identity as singer songwriter. Yes. So on the other side of that, what, what would you share as it relates to identity? Uh,
1: I needed to craft an identity for myself. I was a, um, a lonely, floundering kid as a preteen okay. and teenager, and I needed something that was just me—that was mine. I needed something, a creative outlet. I, I needed—I needed to be able to construct an identity for confidence, for, um, you know, it's 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 like what all kids, as they enter their teens, need. They they need an identity that they kind of own for themselves. It's not just the ones right. placed on them by you know parents, friends, family, the world. Yes. And for me, music. Music was it. Uh, it, it served all those. It checked all the boxes. It, it allowed me a creative outlet. Uh, it allowed me to be unique. Um, yeah. It, it allowed me for self-expression. It was an identity where I could get some attention positive attention and reinforcement yeah Uh, and actually i i leaned so much into it because when i first started uh i'm still a mediocre singer i'm a pretty good songwriter i'm still a okay i i got halfway okay when i was practicing like all the time and was playing shows and stuff but uh, i knew that was never gonna be the thing that kept me at the dance Uh, yeah uh but when I first started playing guitar and singing, I'd play in one key and sing in another. And both my parents were like, I don't think that's ever going to be your thing. Oh. You don't have an ear for music. It's not going to happen. So a lot of <laughs> what what drove me so so much when I was 13, 14, 15 was to prove them wrong. And, yeah. Uh, spite is a powerful engine.
0: <laughs> to, yes, it is.
1: Um, it'll get you yes, so far is. up to a point. Uh, but it was helpful in those early years, but I needed that. I needed to construct a positive identity. I needed, I needed something that gave me, and, and actually I overcorrected because I actually got pretty egoic for a while. Cause I was like, yeah, I'm going to be the next Garth Brooks. I'm, I'm good at this. This is my thing. This-
0: that's so that's what I'm curious about. Like what, what was there anything that changed as it relates as it related to identity on the other side of the accident. Uh,
1: well, yeah, that, that moment, uh, started the seeds of giving me a little more humility being like, okay. Okay. Uh, maybe, but I mean, because it's it's very easy when you're 17, 18 and you're talking to executive, multiple executive vice presidents at Sony records, show me everything you got. Um, yeah, we're going to talk to people on your behalf, all the things. Yeah. And, you know, it felt like, okay, well, that's going to be my life. And I guess I must be awesome because first thing I ever made is doing this. And Well, you are awesome. Well, not not because I made a CD in 2002.
0: <laughs> Hello.
1: Uh, I'm awesome because God's awesome. And yeah. he has been <laughs> very... Uh, uh, graceful with uh, my lack of awareness of his presence very often. But uh, that was a moment where I had to reevaluate. And I'm not yeah. saying I still, you know, didn't have ego pop up from time to time. I was still a young kid. TJ, who, d-
0: who doesn't have ego to pop up from time to time? I know, I know right? I yeah. Mean,
1: st- still now. Still now. I- yeah. I- there'll be things that'll pop up. And then I have to be like, Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's egoic self-righteous TJ popping up who thinks he knows, yeah, yeah. Thinks he knows something.
0: <laughs> but the fact that you are aware, Awareness. praise. It's, yeah, man.
1: It's, it's huge.
0: So let me share. it's amazing that we have both had these transformative moments and mine was a car accident too. Wow. Um, Man. So I was driving to work and I had my cell phone in my seatbelt because I didn't want to hold my cell phone. I like to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) At this time, (laughs) I was trying to be safe. Right. I was always wore my seatbelt, but I you couldn't have your phone coming through the the car. Right. So I just had it here. This was 2014. Okay. 2014. And I had my phone here and I was listening to Joyce Meyer. Love Joyce Meyer. That was my morning routine. I've always had a morning routine, like get your mind right, you know, going into the office. And I had my phone here. And I'm driving to work, you know, cheerful, praising God, you know, all the things that I still do to um just get me geared up for the day. And there was a truck coming behind me and I can see them. in My rear view mirror mirror. They were just speeding so fast and in that moment, I felt like the truck was going to hit me. So I, um, probably overcorrected. I like that term because I probably jerked just a little bit too hard and I went off into a ditch. And as I, you know, I was thinking I'm just going to get over a little bit, but the car was, I mean, the truck, it was a really big truck and it was just zooming by and I pulled my steering wheel to the right and my car just like went flying. And it felt like I was in the air for forever. And in that moment, it was so quiet. I did not hear anything. Um, I felt like I was suspended in the air for a very, very long time. But the thing that that stands out to me was how quiet quiet it was. It was so quiet. Like it was, that was something because it could have been quiet. Right. Cause I had my phone playing, you know, but anyway, my, my car was in the air. And then I remember just saying, Jesus, I was like, Jesus. And then I just closed my eyes and I was just preparing for the impact because if my car is flying. I knew it was going to crash down. So um, I just said, Jesus, and I just braced. And then my car hit the ground and I immediately began to think that my car was going to blow up. Cause you know, that's, that's just what I thought. Like every time I saw a car accident or a movie or something, that that's the image that came to my mind that my car is going to blow up. So I have to get out of my car. So I take my seatbelt off and I begin to move and I like my back, my back was hurting so bad. So as I'm trying to get out of the car, just hit the ground. And at that point I knew something was wrong with my back. And I just crawled, I kept crawling as far away from the car as I possibly could. Um, And somebody ended up stopping and thankfully a friend, like I knew, like a friend stopped with me. She was driving to work, she saw my car. Um, And I just still feel like that was just amazing, you know, that there were people that, that were stopping But I heard her voice because I was like face down. And then, you know, all these people are saying different things. Don't move, turn over, you know. But I heard her. She's like, hey, I'm right here. Des, it's me. I'm right here. And that was such a comfort because like I literally, like I wasn't, I mean, I just wasn't aware. Like I was out of it. I was face down. I, I was in such excruciating pain. So just to know that somebody was there that knew me and loved me, like was just going to take care of me. She went with me to the hospital. Um, So that was a pretty amazing time. And not until it was all said and done did I realize how severe it was. So the next day they told me that I could have been paralyzed, you know, and they were debating whether or not we were going to have surgery And, um, I was in the hospital for days and I ended up fracturing my spine. Mm -hmm. So I fractured my T-12. I ended up being in this cast, like a full, like neck down to my waist, Mm -hmm. um, brace. Like I couldn't even sit up. Like I was in the hospital. I couldn't even sit up. They did not want me to move. So the next day when they realized they could move my toes, that's when they started to talk about the surgery, like whether or not I would have to have surgery. I ended up not having to have surgery, Um, but I went home in a brace. Hmm. Yeah. So that was one of those moments. Oh, my gosh. So not only the moment of the car accident, but the weeks after were just. I mean, transformative, transformed my whole life.
1: What What was uh, the recovery period? And I'm sure there was like physical therapy or something.
0: Yeah. So I had to wear the brace for, for three months. Oh, wow. Had to wear the brace for three months. And then I went to physical therapy maybe for another three months after. Um, So, yeah, that was something. Like I couldn't even... Man, my husband at that time, I mean, you, you want to know some true love, like, (laughs) oh my gosh, it's when you go through those types of things. And it's like, this man loves me. Like I couldn't use the restroom by myself. I couldn't shower by myself. Like I could not even stand. I couldn't get out of the bed by myself, like Mm -hmm. anything. Wow. And, um,
1: that's a humbling experience.
0: It was so humbling because I really liked to do things for myself. You know, I like to be independent and strong. And, you know, I was very comfortable helping other people. I loved helping other people. But just to literally in the middle of the night, if I have to use the restroom, like ask my husband to wake up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So what? So it was pretty
1: what messages did you receive during that experience and as a result of 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 the aftermath of that experience how, how did that affect you in a transformative way
0: more than anything i realized um like even, and it's so crazy this is this is always been my stance and my core belief is that God is good, right? God is good. So even like in that moment, I just began to see how he was at work, you know, even from the peace in the air to the, to the crash. And I was thinking, man, I, it could have went a million different ways and I could have died, you know, and then just the person like my friend being there, her coming up, whispering, hey, I'm I'm right here with you. I was just all of it. I was just so grateful. I was just so grateful through from beginning to end. I remember being in the hospital bed and still just cheerful and like laughing and I was in excruciating pain. It was, oh my gosh. I thought it was the worst pain I had ever experienced until I had children. But it was it was pretty bad. But I still remember being in that hospital room just being so grateful. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for protecting me and just really showing me these all these really small ways of how you have Protected me, taking care of me, you're still very present, you know. And then appreciation for my husband, um, appreciation for true partnership and just unconditional love, and how to really receive, how to receive help from other people. Um, yeah. I had to slow down. <laughs> that was huge. Yeah. I had to slow down. It was a lot of things I couldn't do. So it was lots of times for quiet, solitude, reflection, prayer, um, writing. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Did God use that that intentional time of having to slow down and, and quiet yourself more uh, to send you any particular... Messages or, or reveal any other transformative type things to you during that season. Um, what did you learn from the quiet that was forced upon you?
0: Hmm. At that time, I was going through some things with at my job. I, bu- I felt like the lord had told me to leave leave my job to resign to quit I loved the job you know and it's one that I was holding really tightly to it um there was a promotion that I wanted I did the promotion like outright my supervisor told me don't even apply um. And I just, I was still there, you know, I was there, I was so invested. And what that time did for me was to help me to realize that I don't have to be there. You know, like I was, I was there, I was working so many hours, Um, just, I would be there from morning to 11 o'clock at night sometimes, you know, I was, I didn't have children. And even though I knew God told me to leave, I didn't want to leave. I wanted to stay there and I wanted the promotion, you know. Um, And then the accident happened. So I was off work for a long time and I was like, oh, my gosh, like. I don't have to be there. And I think I think that was a huge transformative moment. Because I don't think I went back. Maybe I like did my FMLA or took my time or whatever. And I don't think I went back after that. And if I did, I went back like part-time or something like that. You know how, (laughs) this is how it has been for me. God may say, hey, do this. And it's like, wait, are you sure? Well, maybe I'll just like, Mm -hmm. let me tiptoe. Yeah. So I think I went back part-time or something. And eventually I resigned. Um, yeah,
1: seems like a, a big, uh, life change that resulted from this whole experience.
0: It was a huge life change. It was a huge life change. I just realized how much I was, I had been given to this place of employment, you know, I, lots of energy. I was just, it's, you know, like, um, I, I was holding it on a pedestal. I was idolizing it. You know, and I believe that God always says, Come, I have something better. Like I believe that is just a constant message. Um, it's been a constant message in my life. Come, there's there's something better, there's more. But it's like, wait, I want this, but I want it this way. I want it like this. Um, so that's definitely one of those moments. And once I made peace with it, I was like, okay, you know, I believe that there's something more. I believe that there's something better. And I was just, I was more open, you know? Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And it was something better. I, I received a promotion, but it was at a different place. Nice. Yeah.
1: Thanks for sharing that. It sounds like, uh, you, you had a, a lot uh, more physical stuff to, to deal with in the aftermath of your situation than, than I did, but that God still used that to even let you know, Hey, you know, you, you could have been paralyzed and I, I still use that. Yeah.
0: And like, it's so weird. Like when I, I was like slap dab in the middle of it, but I still didn't like, I still couldn't wrap my mind around how serious it is. I feel like God just He just protects me like that and just keeps my just kind of keeps me like covered in this this really beautiful way. Like um even as I say it out loud, I think about having childlike faith where you just like, oh, everything is gonna be fine, you know? And I remember just knowing that, like, I'm going to be fine. It doesn't, I don't, I know these doctors are over here doing something. They're talking about something, but like, I'm going to be fine. So not to on the other side, it was like, Hey, this is what we were talking about. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Just, just yes. give you the, the stepping stones as, as you're ready.
0: Yep. Yep. I,
1: I just realized something. I don't know if it will come through this this microphone, but I had just literally this past week uh, was going through some old emails, trying to find mm-hmm. some old old uh, files. And at some point, I had sent this song to somebody years ago, and I found Ooh. I found that if Jesus hadn't been there, so it's on my phone. Stop I, it! And I was trying to find the part that that i heard when i i cranked the car i don't know if it will play through this microphone
0: but i kind of wanted to see if it would yes i want to hear it
1: it might be terrible quality did you
0: hear that TJ and I'm like I'm I'm blown away like right now because of the similarity of our stories
1: yeah
0: right and the one thing I said was Jesus you know like I remember just like I said it out loud Jesus Jesus. No, I said it multiple times. It wasn't a one time. I was like, Jesus, 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 as I was going down.
1: Yeah. And I think I, as I recall, I think that was the only thing I said as my wheels were up about to flip over was just,
0: whoa,
1: (laughs) there's power, power in the
0: name. Whoa. If Jesus hadn't have been there, so I believe it's those moments. I don't care what what has been your um, spiritual experience, your religious system, practice, whatever. Like when you go through those moments, it's hard to walk away doubting. Yeah. If there is a god. Yeah. It is. I mean,
1: it's a lived experience that you have and it's it's hard to explain it to somebody who hasn't lived it. Yeah. But once you have those moments, it's like you know, I can't deny those moments.
0: I can't. And you can like you can hear about like another person's experience you can learn about god you can read about god you can all of it right but ex- having the experience of god oh man
1: can i can i share a not near death experience but uh, yes another uh it's really two separate experiences that kind of dovetail into each other and and kind okay. of build on each other But um, when we moved back uh, to Nashville uh, in 2018, uh, Mm -hmm. I took a job uh, teaching sixth grade English at a school, and it just, it wasn't, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Okay. I, I was teaching special ed and didn't sign up to teach special ed, didn't know the job was teaching mostly special ed. Uh, God bless all those people who have studied and know all the things and do that. Yes. It's a worthy calling, but I thought I was going to teach English to high schoolers. And <laughs> I was like, I tried it for like a quarter and I was like, you know what? They need somebody with more training than I got.
0: That's a straight up calling.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, you know, I I decided to leave that job in the middle of October of 2018 uh, and it's hard to find another teaching job in the middle of October. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, my wife and I talked about it, and I, I basically kind of, for the next, you know, 10 months, uh, was on this sort of spiritual journey. Uh, okay. I, had been, I had been wrestling with a calling into ministry and not knowing what that looked like. Uh, A a year before that, I had actually, for the first time, looked at uh, ministry jobs. Uh, When we first moved to Portland, Oregon, where we were at for a year for my wife's uh, postdoc, she had to do a year up there to be licensed uh, in Mm -hmm. psychology uh, uh, to get her clinical hours. And uh, literally the first week we were there, I just... You know, I, I'd been wrestling against looking into anything in ministry. I don't have a ministry degree. I don't want to go back and get a yes. ma- Master's of Divinity or whatever they make you have as a prerequisite for so many churches these days. So that yes. limit, limits your options. And teaching is a ministry too. But I was, I, I was having trouble uh, finding a teaching position there because we were moving in the middle, like near the back end of the summer. And, and I was taken like two months to transfer my teaching license for several years. And it was hard to get teaching jobs while we were moving for, for her, her work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I found myself in a similar position. And it was the first time I looked at a ministry job. And literally the first one I clicked on and was interested in applying to, uh, I did apply to. And I get a call back like within a couple of days from the pastor. I forget what the job was. It was like an assistant, associate pastor, mm-hmm. like uh, care pastor, something like that. And uh, we had coffee. And it turns out he had just taken over this church, which was like a mile and a half from our house. Okay. Uh, and he had applied to that same position. Uh, not expecting to be the lead pastor. He had been a youth pastor before that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the previous pastor who had a bit of scandal and whatever, and he had to step down, uh, he had put up the job listing and nobody had his login to take it down. And it was literally the job that that guy had applied to. But then in in the middle of this vetting process, the lead pastor left and then they asked him to be the lead pastor. Whoa. And he had just been there kind of working through a rough season with the church for six months and was in a total reset mode. And he was like, well, you know, I'm just now getting my, my footing. Uh, You know, I would love to explore uh, opportunities for ministry with you, but I don't have a paying job. And we've actually just, totally reset uh, a lot of the programs they didn't have a youth pastor um, and so I've become the volunteer youth pastor for a year uh, and this church and this church was like our our family for the year that we mm-hmm. were there and we found it from from applying to the first the first <laughs> ministry job I ever even clicked on much less applied to wow and it wasn't actually a job <laughs> and I ended up he's still on my One of my good friends, uh, he'd come and visited us a couple times since we've been back, and uh, so that's kind of been the wild thing with exploring ministry. So when I left teaching again, I was, I was exploring ministry things and was just having every possible door closed. I went to our old pastor that married us and tried to have a conversation Mm -hmm. with him um, shortly after leaving uh teaching and he was basically like yeah basically you can't do anything without a mdiv uh so good luck if you want to do that i got nothing for you at my at my church um i was like okay well thanks
0: yeah <laughs> don't know that's the so tell me, me so tell me what your your takeaway is as it relates to ministry jobs
1: well well here's so i literally was just, I was doing lots of reading, getting big into, um, that was where I first started trying some meditation and stuff and, and really trying to discern what God had. And I felt in my spirit that I was going to have some kind of an answer, um, like with, within six months, six months was the thing that kept popping in my head. that okay. I was I was going to have a better sense of what my my calling, uh, was for this next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went close to that period of time. Um, and I did like a two day retreat in in a cabin in the woods out in I don't even remember somewhere in Tennessee, I can never find again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I usually experience God a lot in nature, uh, specifically okay. near like waterfalls, water in the woods. Um, mm-hmm. It's a good place to meditate and just kind of align my heart with God and try and journal, hear from him, that kind of thing. Yes. So, so I, I was staying in a place that was in the middle of multiple waterfall areas. However, I got like food poisoning or something that night. I ate at a local diner or something I shouldn't eat. And every place I was trying to get to, by the time my stomach would allow me to go anywhere, I Whoa. could not. I could not get to. And I I drove to the only one, the address uh, that I thought I could get to, and it turned out that mm-hmm. address was just a a park uh, information station that literally was about to close in one minute. And I went okay. in. I went in just before they closed the door, and I asked. Uh, it, what waterfall can I even get to before sunset from here? And then they yeah, they, they gave me this path and I, I did eventually find it. Uh, I was fighting the sun at this point in time. I had about an hour um, and everybody had left this trail. There's like a two mile trail. You got to walk into the woods to even get to, mm-hmm. this, to get to this water. And there wasn't another soul out there. And I'm walking, I'm walking for a while in the woods. And then I see this one guy with a, guitar kind of take me by surprise a strapped to his back he comes up behind me and then he kind of veers off and goes whoa to the opposite end of where I'm I'm going uh and then I finally find the spot by the bank of where this waterfall's starting and I'm like okay god you know sun's about to go down I'm going to have to leave pretty soon I'm here I've made this time Yes. I'm trying to hear from you. At that point in time, I didn't even realize that it had been six months to the day. It was not intentionally planned that way. Okay. Uh, from the time I left my teaching job to the day. Uh, and I, I, I get there, I close my eyes, I'm trying to listen to the water, and all I hear is this music. <laughs> where, am I, where am I hearing this music? It was distracting. I couldn't, I couldn't center. And I was like, "That's that guy playing guitar." And then I found out, oh, he's playing worship songs.
0: Stop at, it! At the
1: other end of of like on the where where the water was trickling down to on the far other end in the woods somewhere, he's playing, and it's carrying upstream worship music on his guitar. And then I just heard clear as day in my spirit, he's the reason you're here. You're supposed to find this guy in the woods, and talk to him. I had no idea why. I didn't even know if I could find this guy because, whoa, because I had to. I had gotten off the path to get to where I was. So whoa! I, I pick up shop. I go in the woods. I run directly into this guy. This guy's like a Ukrainian immigrant who is a truck driver. Who, uh. We have a very interesting exchange in the middle of the woods. I'm like, uh, I know this sounds weird, Uh-huh. Uh, but I think God sent me here to talk to you. Why are you here in the woods today?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, and I actually, I had just gone through this whole thing where God was telling me I needed to reclaim my name. Uh, Whoa. I had never gone by... The name travis before uh my whole family's always called me josh or joshua and then when i got into music i started calling myself tj because i thought tj stone was a more marketable uh, yes name for music but i've never gone by travis i've never particularly liked the name travis for whatever reason probably just because nobody recalled me that and when mm-hmm. i when i had looked it up before uh just out of curiosity uh I, I saw that it meant crossroads. And what I was finding was about every year, especially after I got married, about every year I was finding myself stuck in the middle of my own crossroads. And I was starting to Whoa. think, am I, am I just living into this name? Was this like a, a pr- prophetic thing spoken over me in name? Yeah. Um and I felt, I felt my spirit that God was telling me it was more. So I dug deeper and deeper, and what I really had come to find just before I went on this trip and had this meeting
0: uh-huh.
1: was that the actual etymology of the name uh, was it was a job. It wasn't actually the crossroads itself. It was a guy Whoa. who was like a toll taker who stood at the crossroads, and you could That's what to, I was thinking. You couldn't get to the other side. Unless you went through this guy, and once I realized that, it totally reframed how I saw myself. yes yeah. I, I started seeing myself as the guy that stood in the middle of other people's crossroads, instead yep. of the guy stuck in the middle of his own crossroads.
0: And then just kind of pointing
1: and and showing up, letting God do the wow. work, and letting me be the vessel to help. Literally, what so this please guy tell said me that this.
0: Please yeah. tell me he was at a crossroads.
1: The verbatim, what he said to me is, I'm here because I'm at a crossroads in my life. Stop! Nope. <laughs> verbatim. And I don't
0: know what to do. And you're like, yes, let's do it. Let's dive into it. <laughs>
1: I know. I looked up. I'm like, okay, this this is what we're here for. And literally, he was trying to figure out what law school to go to because he wanted to go to law school and help underprivileged people who had been like wrongly accused and stuff very very noble stuff and i had i had heard good things he was he had to decide that day uh between two schools and i had heard great things about one of them and never heard of the other one and i was like well this is what i've heard
0: so let me ask you this this so one of my questions to you was, tell me your thoughts about this whole ministry job thing now, right? And then it's like, you already have the job.
1: That That's the next story. That's the, And I'll try and be quicker with this story. So uh, exactly one year to the day that I left my job, mm-hmm. I was on a European retreat with my church's arts collective group that I'd been very active in. It's since Mm -hmm. launched from the church. It's not part of the church anymore. Um, uh, We were about a weekend to our trip. We were, it was our last night in Paris, France. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was around midnight and me being the kind of romantic artist person, I wanted to walk the cobblestone street back alleys of Paris at midnight. Not just because I watched the movie. I think there's a movie called Paris at Midnight or something with Owen Wilson that I liked. Uh, anywho, I was in the middle, that whole trip for me was the culmination of me trying to figure out what my identity is and how it relates to ministry and what the next steps. At this point in time, I'd yes. already taken a job at a Christian school that also fell in my lap. That that's a whole another wild story. Yes, uh, ended up being the headmaster of that school for eight months. Um, shortly after this trip, actually. Um, but I was approached. I was just I was I was walking, and it was the first time I had ever asked myself this question out loud, and was really asking God out loud. I said, "God, am I meant to be a pastor?" Because I, <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to accept that role. My dad was a pastor, and it totally yes. jacked him up. He left basically church altogether for 15 years while I was growing up because the church jacked him up so much. Um, yes. Trying to be a pass through.
0: Um, oh my gosh. We should so have a combo about that
1: one. Yeah. So uh, I'm walking. I just literally asked this question. And then I look up mm-hmm. and there was this sign lit up in perfect English. Okay. Oh, I remember what it said. It said opportunity. Okay. And, and that's not the word for opportunity in Fran- French. <laughs> it's the only sign in English. And I was like, okay, are you trying to get my attention, God? What is are you saying there's an opportunity or what what is it? And that literally at that moment, a guy who was riding a bicycle, he was half drunk riding a bicycle, obviously very mm-hmm. French. He's he stops me and starts trying to talk to me. And I'm like ah. I know like six things in French and I couldn't Yes. I couldn't talk to him. I'm like, uh no parlez-vous France
0: <laughs> yes yes yes
1: I'm like I speak English. he's like so what do you speak in in perfect English he starts talking to me in English and then he he goes on to tell me all of his woes and how his dad just died and he had to go back to uh, French Canada to okay to, like be with him and his deathbed and his fiance had left him all these things- mm-hmm. and basically, Here you are again. Yeah, here, here I am again, and uh, we talked for like 45 minutes in the middle of this back alley in Paris, France, and as we parted, and I was just giving him encouragement, as we parted, I realized that we had been standing in the middle of the only crossroads I had come upon the whole time I had been walking. Whoa. The whole time we had our conversation.
0: It's, and, it's hard not to pay attention to those things because they just, I mean, they just stand out and like scream at you. Yeah. Whoa. And what,
1: what, oh, oh, the, no, this was the, this was the clincher too. He never even asked my name until the end. Mm-hmm. And I tried to tell him TJ. He's like, TJ, that's not your name. What's your name? And he would not <laughs> let me leave until I told him my name was Travis.
0: Travis, and then
1: and then another guy. I was talking to this Hasidic Jew and his family that we were on on the flight back home. It was just me and two mm-hmm. other girls. We were all going different directions, mm-hmm. uh, and we talked like about you know just life and our faith and all this stuff for like thirty minutes there in the airport. And he did the same thing to me. He wanted to know my name and he would not take TJ for an answer. He made me say my, and then at that point, I'm like, okay, God, I, I see
0: you're I get trying it. to tell me something. My name is Travis. Here we are. In, <laughs> and one of the questions earlier was identity, All right? You had this identity around singer songwriter. Now it sounds like you're leaning more into the identity of Travis.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I still don't go by that a lot, but when people call it, call me that now I'm fine with it.
0: Isn't that amazing that even today, like, as we're logging on, I'm like, okay, Travis Stone, something. All right, Travis, that's what I'm calling you from here on out.
1: Okay. Well, that's that's fine for me.
0: (laughs) Okay. So as we wrap, let's share one of your major takeaways just from this conversation. I think. What stands out to you?
1: I think I was taken by how similar our near-death kind of aha moments were and how similarly the felt experience of the moment was like the quietness the call, yes. calling on Jesus the the feeling like time was stopped um, whoa I mean I feel like that almost has to happen to get our attention yeah and also, just the way that that God uses these these moments, and He He shows up in these ways that we're not necessarily looking for, um, but there's obviously a design and a plan to it. I mean those two yeah. those two chance encounters were on the exact six month and year anniversary of the date that I had left my job and was struggling yeah. with this with this call to ministry, and I heard very clearly on that, that trip that I, I was already a pastor. I just may never actually work for a church or get paid for it, but I am a pastor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One of my major takeaways is, um, just the presence of God. Like even in this conversation today, I believe that there has been so much to take place that we will not even, you know, fully know of, you know, even in this conversation, um. Yeah. So just how he is ever present. Yeah. God is ever present. God is ever present. Um. So, yeah.
1: And sometimes he just and has we're to connected. nudge us. Yeah. He just has to yeah. nudge us to remind us of his presence.
0: Yes. 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 Those nudges. I tell you, oh my goodness. Well, I thank you for this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being open and honest and sharing.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I feel, um, I feel more connected to you. Yeah, me too. I didn't know that was part of your story.
0: I know. I know. All right. Well, you want to close us out?
1: Well, thank you for joining us one more time at Idiopod. Uh, for all things Idiopod, check us out, idiopod.com. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram. Submit your comments, questions. Join the conversation with us. Uh, you can submit Idiopod, idiopodcast at gmail.com, or just click the email link at idiopod.com. Uh, we want to hear from you. What what yes. what do you want us to talk about? Share your experiences with us. We want to hear your experiences because yes. this is this ain't just the Destiny and TJ show or Travis show, trying to uh, you know tell tell about our stories. It's it's all about the collective experience and what God yes. is doing through all of us because we're all the body, we're all just parts of it.
0: Yes, share your transformative near death God moment.
1: (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Until next time.